Hello everybody. Hopefully it will uh, just give that line of goes better. Um good evening everybody. Hello everyone, hope you're good. Haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before. My name is Lucy Super Fox and I always say it how I see it. Um so I'm gonna give it a second for people to jump on live because it's being filmed live. I am sat on my bed. I thought I'd go for a whole new vibe. I thought I'd do from bed. You know, comfy spot, good light, very chill. Glass of champs, actually it's Prosecco. It's not even champs tonight. Normally I'm a champs gal. So glass of bubbles. It's been, it's not just been a day, it's been three days. I have been non-fucking stop for three days. I am bushwhacked, but I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight actually. So I'll give it 30 more seconds and then I'm going to um, kick off. And um, for those of you watching it, my glasses are only on because my eyes are so tired. <laughs> they look like peas. Cool. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's 8.32 and I like being on time. So, first things first. I decided to share about what I'm going to be showing over the next couple of nights. About love. You can probably hear all the mowers where I live. Everyone's mowing their lawns because it's summer and it's half past eight, right? Um, but I decided to share what I'm sharing the next few nights around love and around, I guess, what I've learned about loving other people, self-love, what I've learned about relationships, what I've learned about what I know to be true about relationships. And I guess I wanted to share this because purely I just felt like it's something that keeps coming up in conversation with people. It keeps coming up because people keep saying to me, you know, you look so happy, you seem so confident in yourself, like, how are you there? You know, they ask about my relationship with Josh, they ask about previous things in my life, and for any of you that don't know, I recently did um, a weekend as a TV presenter, basically, it was like a, a weekend experience thing, and I've got my own showreel now, and done all this stuff, and they really, I mean, all becoming a TV presenter is, is just becoming a TV personality, it's just becoming yourself, but being more yourself, right, just turning up the volume on who you are, and what you're about, and what you're passionate about, and I really feel like they did a freaking fantastic job at bringing out my personal brand, and really helping me clarify who I am, what I stand for, and what I'm about, and, you know, I said to them, actually, I was like, I didn't realise how much I'd lost my confidence in myself, until you brought it back out of me, and so, what I want to share with you tonight is, something that they challenged me to do they asked me to um they asked me to speak about they asked me to like literally speak to camera um off the cuff with no no planning no script no thought no background no anything and they were like tell us about your divorce and i was like holy fuck i mean i've never publicly talked about my divorce right i've mentioned it i said i have been divorced i've never ever talked about my divorce and I probably never talked about it out of respect for my ex-husband because, you know, it, it was also his experience. And so I've never wanted to, but well, I am going to talk about it in the next few days. I'm going to tell you everything. Um, obviously, keeping him anonymous, if you know who he is, then great for you. But, you know, for me, it's not about identifying the people who've been in my past. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. But when they asked me to do this piece to camera on being divorced and what divorce meant for me and what the breakups and the things I've been through in love have meant for me... What actually happened was just like, this just like absolute light bulb of, I can share this experience and hopefully share some wisdom and some knowledge and some of my powerful growth from some of the things that have happened to me from past relationships, from heartbreak. And those things have led to the insight, the knowledge and the 
really the skills that I've been able to bring, not just to my business, but to my current relationship and ultimately to my relationship with myself. And so I guess what I want to share with you guys tonight above all else is, you know, how your past can absolutely be the key to a powerful future. And I think I saw a great quote earlier that said that thing that didn't work out for you actually really worked out for you. And I really felt that I really resonated with that because I know that to be true about my own life. So I'm going to start from the beginning. So this probably is going to be a good 20 minutes. So get, go and get yourself your own glass of bubbles or your own glass of wine or cup of tea. Because what I really want to do is I just really want to share from my heart. I don't prepare for these things because when I prepare, I become forced and I become a bit like, oh my God, I must box tick. I write down words. I write down words I must cover. And I've literally written one, two, three, four, five, six. And that is because there have been six significant romantic partners in my life that have added value. I've had a story about, I mean, there's been a ton of extra romantic partners, if you know what I mean. Um, but the six that I've had relationships with that have had a significant impact in my life and in my growth and in my, I guess, in my sense of self and who I am and what I'm about. So have a glass of bubbles. Go get yourself a glass of bubbles because I'm going to be here for 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Okay. So we'll start at the beginning. So when I was 16, I know this is young, right? But when I was 16, um, I got into a relationship with a guy who was in the year above me at school. And it's, you know, it sounds so cliche. And you're all like, oh my God, me too. But what happened in this relationship is we were about a year into this relationship. And he was the person I lost my virginity to, which I just don't think guys get. Do you not anyone agree? So if you agree that guys just don't see virginity the same way girls do, drop a one below in the chat. Because... I just personally believe that, like, that was a big deal for me. And not because it meant anything about me. I didn't make it mean anything about who I was or what I was about. But it meant something significant in my uh, evolution into womanhood, right? And so, yeah, so basically, this the first one, right? So number one, I was 16, 17. Now, so because I lost my virginity to this guy, obviously, there's a, a naive perception that this romantic relationship is going gonna, is gonna to be something. It's going to last. It's going to, you know, stand the test of time because it, we want it to, because it's significant in that, I'm just gonna actually just turn the light on, hold on. Okay, I'm not sure that's made that much difference, but um, yeah, so I'm still housework and progress. So basically, yeah, for guy number one was uh, the guy I lost my virginity to, I was 16, 17. I'm just gonna um, do this. Okay, cool. And, you know, that was really significant for me because I think in that relationship, I learned a few things. I learned that, you know, it's great to have attention from other people. That feels amazing. But what happened was not long really into our relationship, maybe nine months. I mean, when you're 16, nine months is basically like 10 years, right? Um, he cheated on me. I mean, what the fuck? 16 years old and I expected him to be faithful and know what that meant. Um, but what what actually happened was... When he did it, he then didn't fight to fix our relationship and get back together. And what that really showed me really early on was that you can never, ever, ever know. What is going on with this fucking screen? It's so annoying. Why is it lost the brightness? Sorry, guys. Nothing I can do there. It's decided that it doesn't want to be bright. Um, but, the, you know, there's actually nothing you can do. If somebody else doesn't want to love you where you're at, if somebody else decides that they're not engaged in your relationship, if somebody else is you know, lost their, I don't know what the word is, lost their desire, I guess, to make your relationship work, then that's not freaking personal, right? It's not freaking personal. And I think that so much of the time we make it mean something. 
And so what I learned really from that early time was that that didn't mean anything about me and it meant everything about him. And, you know, we can say that flippantly when a friend goes through a breakup or, you know, when someone we know has been through a breakup. But actually what we have to remember is that really does apply to us that if somebody decides, and it doesn't matter what walk of life, if somebody decides to reject us or somebody decides that we're not a fit for them or somebody decides they don't want to work on our friendship or relationship or whatever it might be, that actually that doesn't fucking mean anything about us and it means everything about where they're at. And I also know, you know, I know that there have been stages of my life where people haven't served me. There's been people in my life that haven't allowed me to grow that have actually held me back. Or there have been people that have been confrontational for me or there have been people that have brought out the worst parts of me. And so, you know, we flippantly make comments like, you know, people who who you surround yourself, you know, the five people you spend the most time with, you know, spend yourself spend your time wisely kind of thing. But then if somebody abandons us, if we're the one that's abandoned, we take that so fucking personally. And I think what we have to remember is that it works both ways, okay? So if somebody's not for your highest good, you can also not be for somebody else's highest good. You don't have to make that mean anything about yourself, right? You can just decide that that is what it is and that's the way life goes, or you can make it mean something, take it personally, slag that person off, be dramatic, but I think I really understood at like quite this young age that like I'm just not fucking available for drama. I just wasn't fucking available to gossip, bitch, talk online. We didn't obviously have Facebook then. I mean, if you're watching this and you had Facebook and you were 16, I mean, holy fuck, you were seriously young. Um, but like if you, for me, I didn't have that outlet, but also it just wasn't it just wasn't me. I just knew that I had just to deal with my grief. And I remember two really powerful things that happened during that breakup that really helped transform the way I saw that breakup. And the first one was five minutes at a time. My auntie said to me, it's my first obviously serious breakup, you know, I was heartbroken. And my auntie said to me five minutes at a time, everything five minutes at a time. So I'm going to make a cup of tea. What are you going to do for the next five minutes? I'm going to put some washing on. No, it's the next five minutes. I'm going to read a book. What's the next five minutes? I'm going to whatever it is, go for a walk, right? And so actually what I did was chunked my time down. I chunked my time down to process how I was feeling. And I think so much of the time, because life is so on the go, because of social media, because of the instant nature of, you know, how easy it is to post on social media about how we're feeling, what happens is we don't, we don't have any perspective. We don't take a fucking breath and take a minute and say, you know what, actually I'm not thriving. I'm not good. I need, I need some support. We just try and carry the fuck on. And you know, so for me, I, you know, looking back at this breakup was a really powerful sign that actually as a person, sitting with my emotions was a really powerful thing for me to do. And so that first relationship breakdown and breakup was actually, and I believe this is about every relationship breakdown I've ever had, was one of the stepping stones to the life that I have now. I truly believe that everything happens to us, not for a reason outside of us, not because, you know, there's, you know, an omnipotent God and who decides that they want this to happen for us. I don't, I don't necessarily believe in that. That's just my personal beliefs. But what I do believe in, I'm just going to move my phone. Hold the phone. Literally hold the phone. Um, there we go. That's a bit better. I feel like I was looking at my face. I like it was like this big. Um, you know, what ha often happens is that we, what was I saying? First boyfriend. Yep. Anywho, the point is, I have recognised that actually just because somebody doesn't want to work in our relationship, somebody doesn't want to work in a friendship, somebody doesn't want to make things mean work, that doesn't have to mean anything about yourself, okay? So I then went into my next relationship with a guy that was a notorious bad boy, right? 
notorious bad boy, notorious at uh, messing girls about, notorious at not being reliable, you know, and I knew it, and I fucking knew it. And I met him at a party, so it wasn't exactly like I met him in a neutral environment, you know, 17, uh, maybe nearly 18, maybe I was nearly 18. Met him at a party and was like, oh yeah, just be a bit of fun, and I fell fucking head over heels in love with this guy. And I was head over heels in love with this fucking guy for the next eight years. And it took me a long time to get over this one. The relationship I had with what we're going to call number two was something that I don't know how to communicate in words. So he fucked me about for about six months. And then I called time. And I said, fucking enough, dude, I'm fucking done. Go fuck yourself, basically. And I know that's a lot of swear words. Sorry if you've got kids um, who are in your periphery, but I was like, no, I'm done. So what I understood was actually from quite a young age, I actually had set some really strong boundaries about what I was available for, what I would accept and what I would accept, right? And, but what happened next is something that I could never have known and probably something that people would never think that would actually happen to me. So that was the first six months. And then he basically decided when I started dating someone else who wasn't significant, and it sounds awful, but they weren't significant. They were someone I just chose to date. Number two basically decided that they were in love with me. And they rocked from my door and they said, I'm in love with you. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, let me think about it. I mean, I knew I was head over heels in love with them, right? But what I wasn't in a position to be able to do was go, oh, yeah, fine, don't worry. Because I understood that actually what was happening was a dynamic and an energy shift. And I knew that if I gave in too easily, that this relationship was going to be all on his terms. Now, the reality was that didn't really matter. Playing hard to get, I don't believe works. I honestly don't, guys. I believe a woman who knows herself is the best way to play hard to get. A woman who is sure of who she is, is focused on her path and her mission and what she wants out of life and who she wants to be and what she's available for and what she will accept and what she expects, that's all the hard to get you can fucking need. You don't have to play stupid games where you don't text back for three hours. You don't have to play games where you, you know, if you're actually in love with someone that you don't tell them. Like, that's not what playing hard to get, like, that's playing hard to get. And for me, that's not about, that doesn't create healthy boundaries or any kind of healthy communication. It's just a fucking game, right? But anyway, I should have known I should have really known from this early point that this relationship was never going to end well. So we had a three year up and down, but relatively good. You know, I went traveling for four months in that time on my gap year. He was still around when I got back. I went to university and that was the first time things started to really fuck up. So I went to university and he, I don't think he could deal. I don't think he could deal with the fact that I was doing my own thing, living my own life. I had no... I didn't need him, right? I didn't need him. And he broke up with me over the phone in the middle of the night. And I remember feeling like somebody had stamped on my soul and crushed me like a little bug. And it was from this point on that this toxic drama, toxic tug and tug of war, of control, manipulation, love, but massive passion, you know, carried on for basically the next six years. <laughs> and what would happen is for the next three years, all the, all the control, if you want a better word, was in his court. I would do whatever he wanted. I was like a sad puppy. 
because I loved him. And I, you know, I, I wonder now whether I truly love him or whether I was, I always say I was addicted to him. I say it was like an addictive relationship. I think we were addicted to each other. You know, if I, now that I know better, I'd probably say we were trauma bonded on some level. There was some part of him and some part of me that had an energetic match that meant that we felt connected, even though our relationship was ridiculously fucking unhealthy. And that continued for, like I said, a total sum of eight years. And the last year, we actually were t more not together than together. But it's so hard because part of me wants to tell you fucking everything. And part of me wants you to not know the ins and outs because I don't want you to repeat my mistakes. But here's what I know about that relationship now. I know that he was a very, very insecure person using outside things to control his security. What I understand now is that he had a lot of narcissistic tendencies and traits and that I had a big shame trigger. Now, if you don't know anything about narcissism from a psychological perspective, not just, you know, quotes on Instagram, but narcissism and shame, they are basically a trauma bond. So anyone that feels shame or feels they need to hide themselves or feels you know ease is comes from and it's not this isn't necessarily my parenting but this was more about the fact that when I was going through high school I never really fit in I was never really part of a club I was never really part of a group I had a lot of friends and a lot of people I still speak to today but there wasn't I was never really part of like just one girl group right it's because I never felt like I fitted in and now I've made sense of all of that I've made sense that I'm an individual personality that I'm meant to be a self-employed entrepreneur that I'm meant to do all these things right but at the time, I think I felt a bit lost and disconnected and I was looking for connection. I was looking for meaning. And so what happens is when we are easily triggered by an identity of who we think we should be and when we're not that person, we feel shame. So feeling ashamed and having a shame trigger are not really the same thing. And I've actually done a great video on shame and fear. And I've done quite a lot on my social medias, Next Level Lucy and my TikTok, um, which is Lucy Superfox TikTok. I've done a lot on there about shame. So if that, if you're really feeling this and resonating, make sure to go check that out. But so I had, I was really triggered by shame. So I basically needed his approval. So what was happening was somebody who wanted, the only way they felt significant was putting other people down. And the only way I felt significant was when he lifted me up, right? So you can already see what a toxic dynamic this was. Now we had a lot of fun at the same time, right? We had a lot of fun in that time. We had some great memories. We did some cool shit. Um, we also went through a lot of really traumatic, really hard things that, for example, we went on a holiday five years into our relationship with some friends and he ended up getting too wasted. We had a row. He walked off. He ended up getting mugged and shot. I'm not even kidding you. We ended up in a hospital in Cyprus for two weeks while he was in intensive care, recovering from a brain bleed. And I literally slept on a chair by his bedside and a Cypriot family would bring me clothes and bring me food. I mean, I'm not even joking, that really happened. And, you know, I remember his mum flying out the second week because I was just like on my knees. And I literally just fell apart in the middle of a supermarket in Cyprus. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, because what then happened was he was so grateful for me. Like this person who was so strong and powerful and controlled our relationship suddenly then became the, the weaker one. And I was ready to step into that role, but like he wouldn't let me. It was just like the most bizarre thing. And... The precursor to that is before I knew he'd be mugged and shot, right? He didn't come home all night to the hotel. And I was like, fucking great when our five-year anniversary has gone out and cheated on me. But that was my first assumption. So that already tells you what a toxic dynamic I was part of. 
And I think that a lot of people see me on social media or they see my life and they think, oh my God, it's picture fucking perfect. And I'm like, you have no fucking idea. And this toxic hellhole continued. So we then get home from this holiday and we'd actually moved into a house together just before we went. We'd lived together for six months before, but we'd moved from a flat to a house. And um, we decided to get a dog. We were like, fuck it, life's too short. Let's get a dog. We both love dogs. Let's do this. And then eight weeks later, we I remember this like it was fucking yesterday. We had two friends that had just, she had decided that she wanted to buy a house, right? And he was like, oh, I'm not ready to go on a mortgage, too young, da, 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 da. And they weren't going to live together. And I was like, well, that's never going to work. And he turned around and said to me, this is what he said to me. He said, well, what if I don't want to live with you forever? I was like, so I've just been by your hospital bedside in intensive care for two weeks. We've then got a house and a dog because we're worried life's too short. And now you're telling me you can't see a future. What happened to me at this point is really, really interesting. I then basically shut him out. I shut him off and I turned off my feelings. And what I say to people is I turned on Lucy motherfucking super fox. Now, the problem was it led to a negative result in that our relationship broke down because I had shut him out. I didn't give two fucks anymore. I was like, Do you know what? I can't be bothered with this. I haven't got time. So I remember sitting on the kitchen floor with the puppy and being like, no matter what happens, me and you're going to be okay. Now, I didn't keep that dog, right? But fucking trust me, when it happened again with the next one, I fucking kept the dog. So, um, but what happened was I shut him out. And I shut him out to protect myself because where he had hurt me in the past, I was no longer available for him to hurt me with his lies and with his manipulation. So what happened was a really strong turning of the tables. And two months later, I decided to leave him. That didn't go down very well. Now, what happens when someone has narcissistic tendencies is that when the only way that they will ever uh, not be in their narcissistic tendencies is if you make them feel shame. So if you do something that makes them feel shameful or you do something that you shine a light on what they're doing, basically you shine a light on their manipulation. And that's basically what I did. So by leaving him, I made him right? I took away his power. I took away his control. He was on his knees begging for me not to go, right? And I remember being like, who the fuck even are you? Like, this guy couldn't give two shits about me eight weeks ago. And now you're telling me you can't bear for me to leave because then he wasn't in control. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with the fact our relationship wasn't thriving, but everything to do with the fact that he wasn't in control. So that relationship broke down. Three months later, we got back together. And this went on for another two fucking years. So at this point, I'm nearly 20, I'm 25. I've been with the same guy for eight years, right? On and off. But at some point in that, I made the decision to make a break for my career and move to London. Now, we still tried to make it work because he was like, no, because we, we were just toxically attracted to the like, I always say he was like kryptonite for me. Like if he would message me or be around me, I'd be like, oh my God, okay, fine. Because there was just something about us. And now I know that was a trauma bond. Now I know that was actually, there was a, a weakness in me and a weakness in him and those weakness, we filled each other's holes, if you like, you know, for want of a better innuendo. But you know, emotionally we filled those gaps for each other, but that doesn't mean it was a healthy relationship and it fucking wasn't. So, during this time is actually this last year of our relationship it was actually when I had toxic shock and because I had a breast implant rupture from the PIP. So if you haven't heard that story, I'll tell that story at some point. So at this point, I am a very, very sick person. 
We don't know what's wrong with me at this point. We don't know it's a breast implant rupture. I'm going for scans, I'm doing things, and he's just not there for me. He's just not there to support me. He's not hospital appointments. He's just not. So I knew a relationship was over. So then what happens is, get the diagnosis, you've got a rupture, you've got toxic shock, your liver's fucking shot to shit, like we're not in a good way. You need to have your implants out. We need to try and do what we can to get your liver to regenerate. I was like, I know. So within a week of having the surgery, our relationship ends after eight years. And that was the final time. And I remember saying to him, and I'm actually probably getting emotional saying this. I remember saying, all I want is for you to love me. All I'd ever wanted for him was just to love me. And because I had left a hole in my own self-love that I needed to be filled by somebody else. And it was in that motherfucking moment that I went, mm -mm, no fucking way. No fucking way. So that is very much a past life of me. That person is someone who does no longer exist. She was a part of my past and I'm proud of her and I would never change anything. Like I truly wouldn't change anything that's happened for me or to me or in my experience because I truly believe it's allowed me to become the person that I am today. I then had two relationships in the next couple of years with what we call three and four. And they both taught me a lot. So the next two guys, and oh my God, I've already been talking for half an hour. The, the next two guys were short-term relationships and not even ever really announced on social media. You know, they, they weren't really, and no one would even know who I was even talking about. If you were a friend watching this, you wouldn't even necessarily know who I was talking about. But these two relationships taught me a lot. They were with both people who were ready to settle down, ready to have a very serious monogamous relationship, very serious, very into me, very... And I think one of the things that I really loved about those two relationships is their, their affections for me and their feelings for me for the first time in my life were unconditional. So with, with partner one, obviously his was very conditional. I imagine it was probably about sex being 17. Partner two was very much about what state he was in because of the narcissistic tendencies, because of his insecurities. So partners three and four were interesting because what happened at the end of partner two was I fucking decided that I was no longer available for bullshit. I was no longer available for toxicity. I was no longer available for drama. And so what happened as a result of being no longer available for those things, the next two men that I manifested into my life, it's not a fucking coincidence, guys. It's a reality of the fact that I redesigned and redefined what I was available for in that moment. So three and four were very much short-term relationships, but very serious. And the only reason that they ended was... I wasn't ready to commit. It was then me that wasn't ready to commit. But what both of those relationships taught me was, A, that I was hot, that if people fancied me, people wanted me, people liked me, people wanted to be around me, people thought I was capable, people were excited by me. And I was like, oh, because that last relationship had shamed me so much. I had lost so much of my self-worth, so much of my self-confidence that these two people allowed me to get that back. They allowed me to feel something. But what they didn't give me was what I was looking for, which was to be, I had a dream vision of who I wanted to be with, what kind of partner I wanted to surround myself with, how I wanted my life to look. I had started at this point, and I'm gonna talk about this. 
on the life that I wanted and the life I desired. And I really got, I really started to grasp the power of manifestation, the power of the law of attraction. I'd mastered the power of vibration. I was already there at 26, 25, 26, right? So I then decided to do another bikini comp. So I've done a couple of bikini comps before this. I mean, trying to map the timeline of my life, guys, we'd be here for like 10 days, right? Don't worry, the book's coming. The book's coming. Um, but I, I decided to compete again. And um, I actually love telling this story. And on the day, um, I had been prepped by a female coach and she'd also prepped a male client. And we text beforehand. I'd never seen this person, although, although I actually had, but I don't remember, right? So we'd all te like text then, WhatsApp wasn't a thing or it was like a new thing, but we'd text and said, yeah, no probs, I'll be there, wicked, be cool to hang out. Do you know what I mean? Like it was not a thing. Anyway, met this guy and was like, I'm going to marry that man. I said that to my friend, Kiri, if she watches this. I said, that is my future husband. I'm going to marry that guy. Well, needless to say, we went on our first date two weeks later. And four and a half years later, we were married. Now, I'm going to talk more about that relationship tomorrow. But what I want you to know and what I want to really share from tonight about the past lives and my past loves is I was ready for that. I was ready for somebody who was ready for me. And what happened before that, six months before that, is I wrote a list of everything I wanted in a man. And this is so cliche. And some people watch this and they'll be like, you are joking. And he was everything on that list. The thing is, I'd put that list away. And it wasn't until we'd been dating for about three months that I found that list. And I was like, holy shit. But it isn't just because I wrote the list. It isn't just because I set the intention. It's then because I held the energy and the vibration of who I believed I was and what I was available for. Personal development had become a part of my life. There was still so much shit I had to deal with, but it was a part of my life. I was embodying energy. I believed I could have a good relationship. I believed I was worthy of love. I believed I was worthy of having someone I could marry. I believed I was worthy of these things. So when he came into my life, although it was an amazing, beautiful, pleasant surprise, I already knew the moment I met him, I was going to marry him. I knew. I will talk about the growth and the transformation and what happened in our marriage, because any of you that don't know, I am now divorced, so no longer married. But what happened was I kept growing at a rapid rate. I was healing, I was dealing, I was clearing, I was setting intentions, I was taking action, I was moving forward, I quit my corporate job, teased into a relationship, I skyrocketed, I built a six-figure business 12 months after leaving corporate life, I then built a multi-six-figure business. We were going like this. And not because of the money, not because of the business, but because of our belief systems, because what we knew about ourselves. And I think what was happening was my success, my inner confidence, my inner self-worth that was growing was triggering insecurities in him. And so his, in turn, the way that he responded with that wasn't always supportive. It wasn't always kind. It wasn't always loving. And it wasn't always somebody that had a, you know, deep, passionate love for my success. And so what was happening is we started to do this. Now, during this time, we got engaged about here. So anyone that's ever been engaged or married will know that once you get engaged, you know, there's a still part of you as a woman. And I think from watching every motherfucking Disney film going, right? that there's a part of you that longs for that, that longs for the fairy tale, that longs for the happy ending, that longs for that to happen. You know, I said in the post talking about this live stream that I was like, 
I I love fairy tales. I love happy endings. I love romance. I love it. I love it. And so we got married. But within six months of being married, I knew it wasn't going to work. I knew we were different people. We were different people going in different directions. I'd become somebody that was self-assured, didn't need approval, didn't need validation. And I saw myself, I saw the next level version of me. I saw what I was capable of. I saw what was possible for me. I saw myself in my most powerful state of being. And I just don't think he saw me like that. And it wasn't because he didn't believe I could. He just didn't see me. And that's such a hard phrase, but like, when somebody sees you for all of you and everything that you are and everything that you're about and they hear you and they listen and you know, you feel seen and you feel heard. And when you don't by the person that you're married to, you're like, whoa. And I think what happened with number six, my current partner, I've numbered them for their purposes, not so much mine. My current partner was, he saw me. He saw me for who I really am. He saw my potential. He saw my possibility and not for his own gain, but just because he saw me. I remember a moment and he just looked at me and we'd been friends for a while and he looked at me and this look was just like, I see you. And I saw him and there was nothing I could do about the freight train of the relationship that ensued from that point with me and him. There was nothing. It was fucking unstoppable. That's the truth. And so what I will tell you about every single one of those lives, those stages of my life, was I was a different person, emitting a different frequency, a different energy with a different belief system, with different thought processes, with different actions. And as I evolved and changed that, what happened was I decided what I was available for. I got really clear on what I wanted. I was focused and fucking hell bent on what I wanted from a relationship, from business, from life, from my body. I was clear, I was intentional, I set focus and I moved in that direction every day. And you know, I emitted an energy of this is what I'm available for, this is what I expect and this is what I accept. And as that evolved, people came in and people came out. Like my marriage breakdown, I didn't motherfucking see that coming. And anyone to this day who says that there was any premeditation in that, I will tell you there was not one single part of me that didn't want that marriage to work. They didn't want to be married. They didn't want to be Mrs. X, right? I wanted that. But one day I woke up and I didn't. And there was nothing I could do when I recognized what was happening in here. When I recognized that I didn't want it anymore, that it wasn't right, that somebody else had seen me. And, you know, let's hold our personal judgments about my situation and what happened because nobody will ever truly know what happened other than me, my ex-husband, right? Nobody will ever truly know. But what I want you to know is this, is that your inner desires, what is happening in here, what your heart and soul is telling you, about what is right for you, what you're available for you, what you accept and what you expect. Like that, if that's telling you something is wrong or something is missing or fucking listen. Because I know that if I had maybe listened a little bit sooner, maybe things would have been different. I trust that everything in my life has happened exactly how it's supposed to be. I trust that detours you know, sometimes just take you around the corner and then put you back on the path. So even if you, if I made the wrong decision or I delayed or I didn't listen to my intuition, I'm going to end up back where I was supposed to be. I truly believe that. That's a core belief that I hold. 
But what I want you to take from this, from this story specifically, is that you have to listen. You have to hear yourself. You have to see yourself. Because if you don't hear yourself and see yourself and listen to your desires, how do you expect anybody else to? You know, people all the time bitch and moan about their husbands, partners, boyfriends, wives, whatever it is. And I'm like, and I'm going to talk about this on day three, right, about communication. But, like, for me, here's my question to you is, have you told them what you really want? Have you? Because actually, if me and my ex-husband had talked about what we both really wanted, we'd have sat down and realised we didn't want the same things. And we might not have got married. My ex-husband has been with the same person since four weeks after I left him. He's still with that person now. And I, we were separated just over three years ago. So I know that this person he's with is giving him what he wants and desires. Does it mean he didn't grieve? Does it mean he wasn't mad? Does it mean he wasn't hurt? Absolutely fucking not. Does it mean I didn't grieve? Does it mean I wasn't heartbroken? Does it mean I wasn't hurt? No. But what happened was we, in that moment, when we actually communicated about what we wanted, we both set a new standard about what we were available for, what we decided our life was gonna look like, and it just wasn't together. You can both be good people, but not good together. Actually, and ironically, my number two, number two boyfriend, the most toxic one, we speak sometimes, he's cool, we're friends. There's nothing there anymore. Because I reckon I healed the trauma, I healed the drama, I'm talking about this tomorrow. But he, you know, I recognised that that had a value in my life, that had a place in my life. But that I decided I was available for something else and something more. And so my call to you today is this. If you are not where you want to be with love, if you are not where you want to be with business, if you are not where you want to be with money, if you are not where you want to be, decide what you are going to be available for, decide what you accept, decide what you expect, and then you have to do the work to believe that that is possible for you. And that's what we're going to get into over the next two days. So, that's my past lives. Don't look at my social media and think it's always been perfect because it 1 million percent has not. But know that my lessons, my hindsight can be your foresight. Hopefully I can share something with you over the next three days about love, about what I've learned about love, that hopefully can help you manifest the man, woman, relationship, love, friendships or family of your dreams. So I'll see you all tomorrow, 8.30pm, British summertime. See you on the next one.